necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is the Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. With Guy Ralford on 93 WIBC. And good afternoon and welcome to the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. We're thrilled to have you with us. A little bit uh, of a late start, uh, given the IU postgame show that uh, tends to go on for quite some time. Uh, it's always kind of amazing to me how long you can uh, talk about a football game. But hey, I'm a football fan. I'm actually, believe it or not, a long-suffering IU football fan. And uh, and I watched a good chunk of that uh, Penn State game today. And you know what? Hey, they were competitive, man. It was tied with, what, two and a half minutes to go? And uh, they ended up uh, getting beat at the end. But, uh, you know, hey, top ten team in the country. And IU that obviously has had its struggles, uh, not only this year, but against Big Ten competition for quite some time. And they were competitive. And so it was fun to watch. Um, but we can uh, we can also talk about it for a really long time afterward. But hey, we're getting started now, and I'm 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 glad to be here. Uh, if you listened to the show last week, as I said during the show, it was actually pre-recorded, and that's rare for me. I think I've done that in my what nine years I've had the Gun Guy Show, uh, coming up on nine years, I guess. Uh, I think I've like pre-recorded one or two shows ever previously, um, but this was for a really good reason, and that's because that I was the MC out at the Blazer eighty eight annual formal gala and i say annual this is probably inaugural this is the first one they've had but listen if you don't know about blazer 88 and listen i have no financial relationship with them other than i give them money uh, which they absolutely deserve but this is a, a group primarily of veterans and listen i'm not a veteran i did not serve in our military uh, but an awful lot of my friends are awful lot of people like train with are a lot of my uh, very dear friends, including Josh Ward and his wife Tiffany, uh, who are really the driving force behind uh, Blazer 88 these days. And it was it was formed uh, to assist uh, disabled veterans. And it, it's so important. And they do such a great job. For instance, they, they are uh, providing a free Thanksgiving dinner. Just free. You, you, you don't, you don't have Thanksgiving available to you. You, you can't make it. Um, uh, look them up, and it's Blazer eighty eight. But uh, I got involved when they uh, were having uh, when they started their um, motorcycle ride. It was a big group ride. Uh, starts in Fortville, and as you know, if you listen to the Gun Guy Show, I'm a Harley rider. I have been pretty much my whole life, and. Um, I want to go on this ride, and it's to raise money for veterans and disabled veterans. And and it's so well done. It, it, it's the best ride of the year. If you ever do any rides like this, it uh, it starts in Fortville. It's fully escorted by the Fortville Police Department. It's already happened this year. But it's it, it, you get meals, you get breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, or there's a band at the end. It's just so much fun, and it's the best group of people you'll ever be around. Uh, just phenomenal. But they asked me to be the master of ceremonies at their annual first annual gala, formal gala. So yeah, I had a tux on, and uh, it is my tux. I years ago, many years ago, I wanted to have my own tux. I I, I didn't want to have to go rent one whenever I needed a tux, and so I went out and actually spent a little money and, and got a nice tux. Hadn't had this sucker on in probably seven or eight years. And so as this thing started approaching, I'm like, I'm not sure how this is going to go. Uh, but it worked out all right and, uh, and and wore my tux and 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 emceed this fabulous event. And they raised all this money. They had uh, uh, groups come in, for instance, that uh, raised money uh, for service dogs, for veterans. And Blazer 88 is provided... Uh, on its own, and these are incredibly expensive to train these service dogs, uh, to to you know to acquire the dog, to train the dog. I mean, you're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars because of the incredible skills they teach these service dogs. And Blazer Eight has provided two service dogs free of charge 
to disabled veterans. And the group that uh, that provided those dogs came in, and and we had veterans that that came in. We had wounded veterans. We had veterans who had said they'd contemplated suicide. They contemplated ending their own lives. And and because of the assistance they got, and the help they got, the support they got, again mainly through their fellow veterans. You know, I can't claim being part of that that status, but 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 from that the organization and their fellow veterans, people that they just learned that cared about them. You know, they decided to postpone that decision for another day. And they were able to come in and talk about it right there to the group. It was it was amazing. It was compelling. I was glad I was there. I was honored to be their master of ceremony. So anyway, that's why we had a pre-recorded show last week. I wanted to be involved in that. Man, it's been a busy week. I was in I was in trial this week. You know, it, it's funny when, when somebody says they're a lawyer, which I've now been for an awful damn long time. Just hit 40 years this year, believe it or not. But man, I used to I used to hear lawyers say they've been a lawyer for 20 years, and I think, oh my God, you're so old. Almost dropped an F-bomb right in the middle of that. You're so old. 20 years doing the same thing? My God. Or 25? Oof, that sounds like forever. Um, I just said 40, believe it or not. So I here a few years ago, I started you know, hearing myself talk, and I say, man, I'm, I'm sounding like my dad. Hell, now I'm sounding like my grandfather. But it would, none of whom were lawyers, by the way. I, but, uh, um, but so be it. Um, but when you're a lawyer... There's an awful lot of lawyers that never see the inside of the courtroom. In fact, I've seen estimates that something like 5% of lawyers actually try cases in the courtroom. Because there's a lot of other things to do as a lawyer. You know, I'd be a contracts lawyer, be antitrust lawyer. You can be you know, a corporate lawyer. I mean, there's so many other areas of the law. But when I decided I wanted to be a lawyer you know, a whole damn long time ago, I started telling people I wanted to be a lawyer, and I was like 10 years old, literally. Nine, 10 years old. I'm like, no, nope, no, nope, I want to be a lawyer. Because I was watching lawyer dramas on TV. And and it was always a lawyer in front of a jury. And they're cross-examining a witness, and they got the witness to admit they lied, and it was this big, beautiful, dramatic moment on television. I went, oh, okay, I, that's me. That's what I want to do. And so that's the kind of lawyer I decided to become. And then not long after that, a little while after that, but not too long after that, I decided, okay, you know what? Uh... I'm really passionate about gun rights. I became a firearms instructor and and thought, you know, I can combine these things. I can I can be an advocate for Second Amendment rights. I can devote my legal practice to Second Amendment rights and still be in the courtroom, still be in there fighting for my clients and fighting for uh, constitutional rights. So anyway, that's what I did. And I actually didn't even mean to go into the whole biography, except to say that I was in the courtroom this week. I, I tried a jury trial in Hendricks County. And there are some real lessons that can be taken from this case. And and and, and really for people listening to the Gun Guy show, you're you're likely gun owners, you're likely Second Amendment advocates, you're likely people that care about your Second Amendment rights, but also care about your ability to defend yourself and your family. And there are some there are some real lessons to come out of this case. And and listen, we won the case, I got a defense verdict. Jury came back after only 40 minutes of deliberation, which is incredibly fast for a jury. I mean, a lot of times, hell, it takes 40 minutes for them to elect a foreman, uh, much less to decide what they want to do with a case after they've heard multiple days of, of testimony and, and seen a whole bunch of evidence put before them. And so it can, it can take quite some time for them to decide a case. But they came back in only 40 minutes, and they decided, as I asked them to decide, that my client was not guilty. And this was, yes, a gun case. Those are the kind of cases, cases I take. And the, and the allegation was criminal recklessness with a deadly weapon. And you haven't heard me talk about this case at all. Because, listen, while a case is pending, it's not appropriate. In fact, there are rules of ethics specifically on point that, that control the behavior and the conduct of lawyers that say, look, well, you know, while a case is pending, you don't say things that could potentially influence a jury. You don't say things outside the context of the courtroom called extrajudicial statements. Um, that's all true. But the case is over now. So I can talk about it to some degree. I still want to be professional about it, and I still want to be a good winner. Dad taught me early on, you know, you don't want to be a bad loser, and you need to be a good winner. And I, I absolutely want to 
adhere to those rules, even though the case is over now. But I want to talk about this case to this degree. I want to talk about it to the extent that there are lessons to be learned about what can happen to you if you're not completely careful with your firearms or something unfortunate happens to your firearms, even though it was never a crime to begin with. In my mind, not even close to being a crime. The, the incredible trauma, the incredible burden you can be placed under when the government decides to come after you simply because it's an issue involving a gun and because prosecutors' offices all across the state, all across the country, want to be able to portray themselves as being what, quote-unquote, tough on guns or tough on gun crimes. And they can make your life hell for a damn long time. And there's a real lesson to be learned. And I'm going to get into that here when we come back. Right now, we're at the bottom of the hour. We're going to take a break. We're glad you're with us. We're glad you had the patience to uh, get through the IU postgame show. But in the meantime, uh, this is the Gun Guy Show. We're taking a break right now. We'll be right back. This is Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. Guy Relford for Pinnacle Firearms in Carmel. Listen, these are my good friends. I've known these people literally for 30 years. Uh, the owner, V.A. Atkins, is one of my very dear friends. He's a true patriot, and he runs a great shop. It's Pinnacle Firearms, located at 598 West Carmel Drive, right there in Carmel. And this is on West Carmel Drive. It's just north uh, of Carmel Drive on Clark Street, and it's easy to find. They're incredibly convenient, and they're really a one-stop shop when it comes to your firearm needs in the fact that you can get your firearms, you can get ammunition, you can get accessories, you can get gunsmithing. And there's so many shops anymore do not have gunsmiths. I've been into big shops. Big box stores where they said, oh, yeah, we have a gunsmith that comes in on Wednesday. If it's not Wednesday, we can't help you. There's an on-site gunsmith right there at Pinnacle and does a fabulous job. He's worked on my guns, and he's done an amazing job. Plus, they can do any kind of refinishing, repainting, or Cerakoting you might ever want on your firearm. I had an 870 Police Magnum shotgun that they did in an urban camo. Cerakote, that's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. It gets raves anytime anybody ever sees it, and I had that done right there at Pinnacle Firearms. So check them out. Again, it's 598 West Carmel Drive. Great source for ammunition, accessories, or your firearms, or gunsmithing, refinishing. It's all right there in one spot. 598 West Carmel Drive in Carmel. That's Pinnacle Firearms. Check them out at 598 West Carmel Drive, or check them out online at pinnacle-firearms.com. The show about gun rights, gun safety, and responsible gun ownership. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back to The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIPC. By the way, we are broadcasting video on YouTube. You can go to youtube.com and search for WIPC or search for The Gun Guy. You can also go to WIPC's Facebook page. And uh, I believe our producers have a link posted up there as well. But, uh, uh, again, I'm, I'm not sure exactly why you'd want to do that because I'm not much to look at. But um, if you care to do that, you can do that on uh, YouTube. I just have to remember to, you know, not, like, pick my nose or, you know, do anything embarrassing because I, I, I realize I'm actually on YouTube at that point. So uh, I, think, I, think, I think my mom taught me well enough. I can uh, control myself like I'm in the front row at church and not embarrass myself too bad. But, but listen, a little bit about this, this case I just tried and got a not, verdict, not guilty verdict on in Hendricks County. Uh, the point is not to gloat over getting a jury verdict and, and winning a trial. As fun as that is, and, and, and as happy as my client is about it, um, it's not really the point I want to talk about. And Because what this case involved, and this is a lesson that I really want to, want to pass on and I want people to think about, and that is that that this was an absolutely 100% accidental shooting. There was an accidental shooting. And and listen, a little girl, beautiful little four-year-old girl at the time, uh, got hurt. Not badly. She was out of the hospital the next day. In fact, testimony was she was running around and being her normal self uh, with a few stitches. Uh, but it could have been a lot worse. But her grandma also, by the same bullet, um, also was wounded. And listen, she was out of the hospital in, in two or three hours and and she's fine as well. So everybody's 
good. Everybody's healthy. And it could have been horribly worse. And there's no question that the entire time it was an innocent accident. There's just no question about that. In fact, I was able to to make the lead detective on the case who, who along with the Henderson County Prosecutor's Office, worked together to make the decision to arrest this guy and prosecute him for a felony. Criminal recklessness with a deadly weapon is a felony, level six felony. You go to, you go to prison for three years over what was undoubtedly an, an innocent accident. But there are prosecutors out there. And, you know, you hear about this all the time. I know I'm on social media, and I tend to downplay this. You know, people people out there and say, oh, well, you know, don't ever do that. Like, don't don't ever modify your gun because some some overly aggressive prosecutor somewhere will you know, hold that against you. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But you see all these things about aggressive prosecutors or liberal prosecutors. I don't think liberal has anything to do in this case. But in this situation, it, it, I don't know. I don't know if it was some relatively young, inexperienced prosecutors just trying to earn some stripes within the prosecutor's office. I don't know if it was the lead prosecutor out there that made these decisions, but they tried to turn an innocent accident into a serious crime. And they clearly did that because two very sympathetic people were hurt. I mean, a beautiful little four-year-old girl, my God, how, you know, I'm, Hey, I got three kids and five grandkids. You, you don't think my heart goes out for a beautiful little four-year-old who, who got shot through the legs. Now, again, just by the grace of God, it was it was FMJ ammo, it was full metal jacket ammo, and it went, went right through the kind of the fleshy part of her, her little legs, and she healed right up, and she was running around like it never happened the next day, according to the testimony. But it could have been horribly worse. It, it, yes, it was an innocent accident. Yes, it, it should have never been prosecuted. Yes, the lead detective, right there, in, it was in Avon, Avon Police Department. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Oh, by the way, after this trial, I'm definitely going to drive the speed limit going through Avon from now on. No question about it. Because I got some Avon police officers who are not real happy with me after I had them on the stand. One in particular. In fact, we're really just talking about one. But, but this was an accident. Everybody knew it was an accident. But, be, it, but because it involved injuries, and, and, and because, I don't know, some prosecutor somewhere, whether it was this, these deputies, deputy prosecutors made a decision or the elected prosecutor out there, I don't know, decided to make a crime out of this, make a felony out of this. And while it should have never been prosecuted, my client was required to go hire a lawyer. I, I'm really incredibly pleased and proud that he hired me. He did not want to accept any kind of a plea agreement. Hell no. Said, now, I want my day in court. I'm going to prove that I didn't do anything wrong in the sense of not committing a crime. Because, listen, an accident is not a crime. If an accident were a crime, none of us would be walking around free. If negligence, even, were a crime, but a lot more people would be in jail right now, or a lot more people would have felony convictions. But the lesson to be learned here is, is, is not only for pure safety standpoint, and that's our first priority. I mean, hell, I wrote a book on gun safety. By the way, the, the, the deputy prosecutor in, in Danville in Hendricks County at one point was waving around my book and uh, trying to use provisions in my book against my client. It didn't play out well, but we're you know quoting the rules of gun safety. But I wrote a book on gun safety. Gun safety is incredibly important, and, and our first priority is to keep people safe. We're responsible. In fact, it came out from my website, from tactical-firearms.com. You hear me advertising our Essentials of Indiana Gun Law class. There's a line on there that says if you own a gun in Indiana, you owe it to yourself, your family, and your community to be a responsible gun owner. And to, and, 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 and to do everything you can to be as safe and as, as legally compliant as you can possibly be. And that's absolutely true. But the lesson from this case in particular is that if, God forbid, if you're not careful with a firearm, if you don't follow all the rules of gun safety, do you know the rules of gun safety? By the way, if I just right now, if I say, if I say what are the four rules of gun safety? 
you, if you listen to the Gun Guy Show, I bet you know these. And I bet you didn't learn them from me. I bet you, if you listen to the Gun Guy Show, you probably learned them already. You learned them somewhere else. You know the four rules of gun safety? Rule number one. And and by the way, people that know this, you'll be on you'll be on social media, and you'll 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 somebody will play a video or somebody will post a picture, and somebody will go, "That's a rule three violation." It's shorthand because people know the four rules. It's like the Bible of gun safety. And look, we're, we're at the three-quarter hour, but I, I'm going to go through these quickly. Because if you listen to the Gun Guy Show, you either know these already or you definitely should know them. Rule number one is you treat every gun as if it were loaded. Some people just say all guns are always loaded. I mean, it's not literally true because, yes, you can unload a gun. But the point is you treat every gun as if it were loaded. So many firearms accidents start with, or at least when somebody's describing what happened in a firearm accident, they described, I thought it was unloaded. It's never an excuse. Never an excuse because you treat every gun as if it's loaded. Rule number two is always keep the gun pointed in a safe direction. What's a safe direction? Safe direction is there's nothing in front of the muzzle of the gun that you're not willing to shoot. If there's something in front of the gun that you're not willing to shoot, then it's not pointed in a safe direction. That can be a part of you. It's pointed at your leg. Is that a safe direction? It's pointed at your neighbor at the shooting range. Is that a safe direction? Of course not. There's nothing in front of the muzzle that you're not willing to shoot. The gun's always pointed in a safe direction. And all these rules start with always. There's no exceptions. You don't say, well, yeah, I usually comply with that. But, no, there's no buts. There's no exceptions. It's always. You treat every gun as if it's loaded. You always keep the gun pointed in a safe direction. Rule number three is always keep your finger off the trigger until you're on target ready to shoot. No exceptions. You don't put your finger on the trigger of a gun unless you're on target, ready to shoot the gun. And you got to develop the muscle memory of when you pick up a gun, where's your finger go? Your, your trigger finger goes straight down the frame of the gun. It doesn't go on the trigger. And if you don't do that naturally already, you need to train yourself to do it otherwise. Keep your figure, finger off the damn trigger until you're on target, ready to shoot. Number, number four is always know your target and anything aligned with your target. Sometimes you'll hear people say anything behind your target. Well, don't you also need to know anything between you and your target? Yes. So I say, change that one a little bit. You always know your target and anything aligned with your target. You don't shoot at stuff you don't know exactly what you're shooting. You hear about turkey hunters walking through the woods, and they hear a turkey coming from you know a bunch of woods or, or a big bush or whatever, and they don't realize there's a fully camouflaged turkey hunter in there with their turkey call. They go, oh, wow, there's a there's a turkey in that bush, and they start shooting, and they shoot somebody or kill somebody because they didn't know their target and anything aligned with their target. So those are the four rules, four rules of gun safety. You follow those 100% of the time. And there's a rule for storage that you also have to comply with, which is all guns should be stored so they're inaccessible. Inaccessible, that's not hidden. That's not near sock drawer. It's inaccessible to untrained or unauthorized people. So if somebody's not trained to handle your gun or authorized to train your gun, they should not have access to your gun, period, end of story. And yes, you can get to your gun quickly. Yes, you can respond. I could, I've got a quick access gun safe I can open in less than a second. I get a break in. And listen, I don't have young kids. There's nobody in my house other than my wife, and she's authorized to handle any guns I have. When we leave, things go in the gun safe. But those are the rules. Those are and, and listen, if you don't follow them, not only can bad things happen, but as we learned in Hendricks County, I'll just go a little bit, just slightly more into this and then let it go. Some prosecutor out there can decide to try to put you in prison, even for an accident. And that's not okay. It's not okay. But it happens, and I saw it happen in Hendricks County this week. But right now we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. Second to none on the Second Amendment. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Ralford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back for what's going to be a short segment here at the top of the hour. It went a little long on that last one. Of course, we were thrown off completely by the very long postgame show after the IU game. Uh, listen, competitive IU game. Uh, game was great. Uh, not ever quite sure why that post game show goes on quite so long but hey it is what it is 
In the meantime, we'll wrap up the discussion about my case. Really, my point is of how incredibly important it is to, to follow those rules of gun safety. And obviously, our first priority is just to keep people safe. Uh, keep yourself safe. Keep people around you safe. Keep your family safe. Um, but no, and I, I've seen this with my own eyes here just over the last year, even an innocent accident can wind up in a criminal prosecution where somebody's trying to convict you of a felony and put your butt in jail. And obviously that's a big deal. But hey, we're coming up on the top of the hour. What I want to do quickly, I, I got to give a huge shout out uh, to my friend Miriam. You know, remember the chicks on the right that were on uh, weekday uh, mid-morning, 9 to noon, and uh, they took off to go and do bigger and, and better things elsewhere. Uh, but Miriam, otherwise known as Mock, uh, and her family, her husband and her, her awesome teenage son, asked me to give them a pistol lesson. And so we did that. We did that at Indy Arms today. We were there two and a half hours or so. Had a great time. And they all got very, very good with a handgun, and it was a lot of fun. That's what I'm doing now. I'm teaching these private classes. But in the meantime, we're coming up on the top of the hour. It's time to take a break. Uh, we'll be right back soon. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is the Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. With Guy Ralford on 93 WIBC. And welcome back for hour number two of the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And hey, I was uh, I was on a little bit of a rant there first hour, but this hour I want to get into what a lot of people have been asking me about, and that is the the mass shooting we had in Lewiston, Maine. And um, listen, I I was slow on the uptake on the facts on this situation because I was in the middle of a jury trial, and. When you're in a jury trial, uh, it, your 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 day isn't, doesn't end when you when you walk out of the courtroom because you got a lot more to do. You gotta you gotta prepare witnesses. You gotta uh, prepare whatever arguments you might have the next day. You gotta work on the objections you might have to evidence. There's just a whole a whole lot of stuff you gotta do. So it's it's not 24 hours by any means, but I, I wouldn't get in a lot, a lot of sleep when when you're in the middle of a jury trial. That's just the way it works, and that's what you sign up for when you're a trial lawyer. But I. I, I was uh, at home, and I had my laptop uh, on my chest uh, doing some work, and uh, my wife had the TV on the news, and and I started hearing about the, the just horrific shooting that we had in Maine. And and listen, uh, you know, we've, we've been down this road before in the sense that, you know, we've had other horrible shootings in this country. And... Whether they're the the worst, I think the one that rips all our hearts out the, the the very worst is when we have something in a school like that happened at Uvalde, uh, or or in 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 in, in Florida at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, um, or going all the way back, you know, Columbine and before Virginia Tech, still to this day the worst school shooting we've ever had in this country in terms of fatalities was at Virginia Tech. And those, those, those just rip our hearts out collectively in this in this country, and and they have to. And whether whether you're a gun owner or not, whether you're you're for or against gun rights, however you feel about the Second Amendment, you know the first reaction ought to be just grief. It ought to be just mourning. I mean, I, you know, it it's so frustrating to me. I guess is the word that people want to launch immediately into the political debate. We don't, we don't want to learn anything about the victims. We, you know, even to the d degree that and the media kind of, I think reluctantly gets into doing some background on the shooter. And listen, I never mentioned shooter's name. If, if you want to do a mass shooting, if you think you want fame and notoriety by committing a mass shooting, hey, listen, I just got one little weekend show on Saturdays in Indianapolis. That's my just my little tiny slice of the media pie. 
But at least as, to, as far as my little tiny slice of the media pie goes, you sure as hell aren't going to get any airtime on my show. And I know many of the other hosts, including Hammer and Nigel, feel exactly the same way. So I don't mention these bastards' name. I'm not going to. I never will. But, but so many times, nobody even pauses to, to say a prayer for the victims, not just the people who have lost their lives, but for their families, and then for the people that are wounded or trying to heal. And we immediately launch into the political debate, and people are texting me or, or, or sending me messages on social media. By the way, uh, Speaking of social media, uh, Twitter at Guy Relford, give me a follow. I, I, I have an embarrassingly low number of Twitter, Twitter followers. Although I once had a producer in here ask me a very important question. Said, well, Guy, do you ever have, do you ever say anything interesting on Twitter? I was like, well, <clears throat> no, not really. Why? why? Why do you ask? Well, that's probably why you don't have very many followers. So I've, I'm doing much better on that. But I put, you know, went out and, and, and I had people were, were messaging me and getting a hold of me through whatever means they can, and they're asking me all these questions about the political debate surrounding the mass shooting in Lewiston, Maine, and this is, well, the bodies are still warm, and I get it. Listen, if you care about Second Amendment rights, that's where we go, because that's where the anti-Second Amendment people go, right? Within minutes of hearing about this, you've got politicians, you've got anti-gun people like but uh, the moms demand action type people you've got the next day on the view the largest single collection of dumbassery in the history of television is on the view and they're up there just spouting ignorance about everything from firearms i heard i heard joy behar and and tony Cass was talking about this in great detail and he did a fabulous job on this Joy Behar was talking, was he's railing against the availability of an AR-15, and why should any civilian have an AR-15? And she said, well, you can't hunt with them, because if you shoot an animal with an AR-15, it's not suitable to eat. It destroys the animal so bad you can't possibly eat it. <laughs> what? That's, that's the most preposterous, ignorant, stupid thing. She's demonstrating she knows nothing about firearms. She knows nothing about ammunition. She knows nothing about ballistics. She knows nothing about hunting. But see, but that's what we get faced with. And so we, as people who care about the Second Amendment, we, we immediately get put in the position of wanting to respond. And we want to go right back out there with our arguments. I mean, I, I guarantee you that's why people are getting hold of me. That same evening when, when, when we all realized this horrible thing had happened, I've got, I'm getting mad. Guy, you know, they're saying this and they're saying that. And, and listen, I'll always be there to respond. I'll always be there to come back with the counter-arguments. But we also have to pick and choose a little bit, in my mind, because some arguments just aren't worth responding to, not substantively. For instance, when I hear, well, we need to repeal the Second Amendment. And, and the Second Amendment, and, and all this garbage that's historically completely wrong, come out and say, oh, well, the Second Amendment was just designed for slave owners to keep their slaves uh, under control. What? No. No, it most certainly was not. It didn't have anything to do with that. Or, you know, I mean, all this other crap. Well, it was just designed to protect muskets. And so if you don't have a musket, the Second Amendment, I, you know, so so we need to repeal it because we don't have muskets anymore. And the technology's gone and taken off. And so if, if you don't have a musket, you shouldn't have any protection under the Second Amendment. Okay. Well, that when the, second, when the First Amendment was passed, people had these old archaic printing presses and were writing things down with a quill on parchment. So what, if you use the Internet, you're not protected by the First Amendment because it didn't exist at the time of the founding? What kind of an idiot are you to make that argument? The Fourth Amendment guards us against unreasonable searches and seizures. Well, were there spy satellites and drones at the time of the founding? No. Does that mean the government can use spy satellites and drones to violate your Fourth Amendment rights against unreasonable searches and seizures? Legally, the answer is absolutely damn not. Now, 
do they do it just because they think they can get away with it and not get caught? That's a whole separate question. But it's still illegal. It's still illegal under the Fourth Amendment without probable cause. Conducting an illegal search, an unreasonable search, is still prohibited by the Fourth Amendment, notwithstanding the fact there weren't a lot of satellites and spy drones running around at the time of the founding of this country. So that all that argument is just garbage. And, 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 and we need to get to the point on some of this stuff where we just say, that's stupid and not worth my time. Or my favorite thing, you've heard me say this before. Somebody says, well, the, the Second Amendment is outdated and archaic, and it was only meant to protect muskets, so we ought to just repeal it. And people wanted to launch into this long debate about whether or not we should repeal the Second Amendment. People want to meet. They want me to come in there, and they want to weigh in on, and, and talk about why we should not repeal the Second Amendment. And you know what? Maybe I'm just getting old and cranky. I don't know. But you know what I do anymore when that comes up? Somebody says we should, you know, somebody will provoke me. Well, Relford, you know, you're just this crazed gun nut and don't care about anybody's safety. And you don't care about children being murdered left and right. And, and as far as I'm concerned, we ought to just repeal the Second Amendment. Well, there's so much stupidity. And I get that all, if you might guess, I get that crap all the time. I get it all the time. People accuse, and people say I have blood on my hands because I support the Second Amendment. Even though I'm out there advocating for gun safety, I'm advocating for people's ability to defend themselves, defend their homes, defend their families. Even though my clients have saved countless lives, including Eli Dickin, who how many lives did he save in the Greenwood Park Mall? That's the side I'm on, is the good guy in the Greenwood Park Mall that shot the bastard who was going to kill 100 people if he could in the Greenwood Park Mall. That's the side I'm on. I have blood on my hands. Kick my, kiss my ass. But on this repeal of the Second Amendment business, anymore, you know what my response is to that? I always say the same thing. I say, saddle up. Somebody look at me like, what? I want to repeal the Second Amendment. I say, saddle up. What's that mean? That means there's a way to repeal the Second Amendment. It's right there in the Constitution. It's written out. All you need is a resolution passed by a two-thirds majority in both the House of Representatives and the Senate in D.C. by a two-thirds majority, and then it goes to the state legislatures, and they have, it has to be ratified by three-quarters of the states. That's 38, if your calculator's broken. 38. So, Mr. Liberal, who wants to repeal the Second Amendment, get going. By the way, you can also have a constitutional convention called that's a constitutional convention of the states, and get a resolution passed by two-thirds majority, then it goes to ratification by 38 states. You can get that done. Have you, have you looked at the, the election map recently as far as what's red and what's blue? And, yeah, there's some really big states, California, New York, et cetera, that have a lot of people in them, and that's why they have a lot of electoral votes, and that's why people like Joe Biden have gotten elected. But if you looked at the number of states that are red versus blue, conservative versus liberal, now tell me you're going to get 38 to ratify or repeal the Second Amendment. So I say, saddle up. Why are you sitting here talking to me? Why are you talking to me when you ought to be out there getting your resolution drafted to take to Congress to pass by two-thirds? Mm, Republican majority in the House, two-thirds? You know, how do you feel about that? It's almost right down the middle, narrow Democrat majority in the Senate. You're going to get two-thirds either either. To repeal the Second Amendment, okay, all right, and then and then ratification by third. So saddle up, get it done. Don't talk to me. Don't whine to me on Twitter or Facebook. Don't tell me why I'm a gun crazed lunatic and you'd think that we ought to repeal the Second Amendment. Get off your ass. Get out from behind the keyboard. Go out in the community and get your resolution passed. Get it submitted to Congress. Get it done. And that's how I respond to some of this BS. And look, we're a little past the, the quarter hour. It's time to take a break. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna keep going. We you know now. Okay, now of course, there was a assault weapon, quote unquote, which is a ridiculous political term that has no meaning to people that actually understand firearms. But was used in the Lewiston, Maine shooting. So now we're getting all of that again. We'll get into some of that, and we'll start taking your calls. I've been on a bit of a rant. 
Um, and I think we had a couple of callers who probably got bored <laughs> being on hold. But give us a call back. You want to join the discussion, whether it's about the mass shooting in Maine or otherwise, uh, give us a call, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. We're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Your rights, your responsibilities, your guns. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And I'll tell you what, we've had a caller call in. I'm not seeing a name, but I'll tell you what, hell, let's just go to the phone lines. Matthew. Matthew. I got you. Matthew, welcome to The Gun Guy Show. Hey, Guy, can you hear me okay? I can hear you good, brother. You doing all right? I'm doing good, guy. Hey, I just got a quick question. So if the business says that um, you can't have a gun in the business, but see, I like to open carry a lot of times, but I just put my shirt over it. Um, But what about the Second Amendment that is the supreme law of the land? So can I still carry the gun in the business or no? Well, and, 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 and I'm... Um, answered this in, in a lot of different ways, Matthew, and, and let me tell you exactly what the deal is. First of all, the Second Amendment, like um, everything in the Bill of Rights, is meant to protect you from the government. And so the Bill of Rights is all, including the Second Amendment, is a restriction on what the government can do. And so the Second Amendment doesn't protect you as to a private entity, a, a private business. So if a private business wants to have a no-gun policy, they can have a no-gun policy. And I got to tell you, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm as passionate about property rights. Well, maybe not quite as, but close. Um, I care about property rights the same way I care about Second Amendment rights. And that is, if 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 I if I run a business, and and I I own a building, I lease that building. That's my building. I ought to be able to run that building and run my business the way I choose. Now, does that mean that if I run a business, I can choose to not allow firearms? The answer is yes, and they have the right to do that. Now, if you carry your gun into that business, first question is, are you committing a crime? And the answer is absolutely not, not in Indiana. If there's a no-gun sign or a no-guns-allowed sign, something like that, that's, that's just a policy that the store is posting, like, no shirt, no shoes, no service, or no mask, no service. Remember those days? Thank God we're starting to get a little removed from those days. But that's just their policy. So, like, say in the middle of COVID, if I walked in a store and I had no mask on, and this may have happened a few times, and somebody says, hey, you got to have a mask on to come in here, I haven't committed a crime. But if they then ask me to leave, I have to leave. And if I don't leave when they tell me to or ask me to, now I'm committing criminal trespass. If you do that with a gun, if they see you're, you say you're open carrying, like you mentioned, Matthew, that you do, which, hey, is legal in Indiana. I respect it. I don't open carry often, um, hardly at all, unless I'm going to or from the range or, you know, teaching a class. But um, you're legally entitled to open carry. But say you open carry into a business, they see your gun, they say, hey, we don't allow guns in here. You need to leave. Well, you need to leave because if you don't leave, you can get arrested for trespass. But let's say you pull your shirt out like you mentioned and you conceal it, you carry it in there. Are you breaking the law? No, you're just breaking their policy. And that, and that's true in Indiana. Now there are some States. It's funny. People are always telling me about pro gun States. They're like, Oh, there's some great pro. And people always, for some reason want to talk about Texas. Oh, Texas is so pro gun. Not so much. Yeah. I mean, they're positive in a lot of ways. They're sure as hell better than a lot of the blue States. But Texas has a lot of very restrictive laws that we don't have. For instance, if a business puts a particular sign up in their, at their entrance, and, and it's, the sign's prescribed by statute. It's got to look a certain way and say a certain things. But basically it says, pursuant to Texas, Texas code, whatever, firearms in this facility are prohibited. And possession of a firearm in this, in, in, in this, on these premises um, is punishable you know, by a fine and imprisonment of da 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 da. I mean, it was a big sign right there. And you carry a gun in there past that sign in Texas, you go to jail if you get caught. 
Well, we don't have that law in Indiana. For instance, people made a big deal. The, the same idiot ladies on The View were talking about my client, Eli Dickin, in the Greenwood Park Mall. Well, the Eli Park, the Eli, the Eli, the Greenwood Park Mall has a no weapons policy. You walk in there, there's this big pillar. It's like any Simon Mall. They all have the same thing. It's just like this pillar that's inside the entrance. It says code of conduct. And there's a number of things on there, and about number four on there says no no weapons. So people come on, you know, The View and, and other and on social media, Shannon Watts, the person who founded Moms Demand Action. I had to yank her chain on this, which I did, and she then deleted the tweet. But she came on there and she said, I don't know why the gun nuts are celebrating when a young man illegally carried a gun into a mall. She went on from there, and I jumped right on her butt on that and said, excuse me, illegally? No, that's accusing someone of a crime. That's falsely accusing someone of a crime. That's what we call defamation per se. You need to take this down immediately. And within about 15 seconds, she took it down. So in Indiana, we don't have the, the, the law that says if you ignore a no-gun sign, um, then it's a crime. It's simply um, needing to abide by the policy or not. It's your choice. But if you get caught, they can ask you to leave. If you don't leave, then you can be arrested for trespass. But in the meantime, you haven't committed a gun crime. So I hope that answers your question, Matthew. In the meantime, we're a little past the bottom of the hour. It's time to take a break. Great question from Matthew. Give us a call, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. We'll be back for the last half hour of the Gun Guy Show here on 93WYBC. Your rights, your responsibilities, your guns. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93WIBC. So again, I had a lot of people contact me and, and say they wanted to hear my thoughts on, on the Lewiston, Maine shooting. And and listen, anytime one of these horrific events happens, my first reaction is going to be, First, to, like I mentioned, to, to mourn for the victims, to, to pray for the survivors, pray for the families uh, of those that lost their lives, and, and, and certainly pray for the people that are wounded. I mean, I, we've gotten so cold-hearted and so political and so divided in this country, nobody, nobody takes the time to, to recognize pain and, and grief. But... Immediately after that, you, you do. Yeah, the political reality is you've got people coming after our rights. And so what are we hearing? I mean, you know, of course, there was a semi-automatic rifle involved. Now, I'm hearing now it was actually three oh eight caliber. And and something interesting happened. If you're not familiar with three oh eight, three oh eight is a larger caliber, more much significantly more high velocity, typically fires a a larger projectile than what you typically shoot out of an, an AR platform rifle. Particularly, it's and there are a lot of different calibers uh, available in the AR platform. I mean, everything nine millimeter, hell, twenty two, up through much larger calibers. So, just saying it's an AR doesn't necessarily mean it's the traditional caliber for that style of rifle, uh, which is which is five point five six. Uh, NATO or two two three, and 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 it's interesting because and and by the way, by definition, ARs aren't limited to that. That that when the AR was developed by Armalite, that's what the AR stands for. Uh, the AR ten in three hundred eight, one of the very first models developed. So it's not shocking that there's an AR that. That fires a 308 cartridge, but it's, it was interesting to me. It just shows you how people talk out of both sides of their mouths. That people are out there now just talking about how how horrific and high velocity and destructive this 308 caliber is that this guy used. And listen, 308 has got a lot of velocity to it. It has a, a significant projectile that you're propelling downrange with a lot of energy, a lot of force, and that causes a lot of damage. Sure, over a long distance. You go to a lot of long-distance training classes. 
you know, take a precision rifle class somewhere, the most common caliber you're probably going to see is 308. So immediately start, people start talking about, oh, well, this AR is just so horrible because of this 308 cartridge. Well, I'm sorry. I, I, I've been hearing for years that it's so destructive based on the typical caliber that it shoots, which is 5.56 five, or 223, which is almost the same thing, not quite. Hell, like I said, you got the morons on the view saying you can't even eat an animal after it's been shot by a typical AAR 5.56. Well, now they're saying, oh, now there's this really, really dangerous. That's not the point. It's never been the point. It's never going to be the point. When, when you look at the Lewiston, Maine shooting, you need to look at one thing, which is how should the shooting have been prevented? Not could, should, because it absolutely could have been prevented. How do we know this? Because this guy had reported mental health issues. He reported saying he wanted to shoot up the National Guard base at Seiko, Maine. He told people that. The guy was in the U.S. Army Reserve. He was also a firearms instructor. This guy knows what he's doing, being behind a rifle. The guy got referred for psychiatric evaluation. So you got a guy threatening to shoot up a National Guard base. He gets referred for psychiatric evaluation. No one does anything to step in and get the guy the help he clearly needed. He then goes on to commit a shooting, which was entirely predictable, if not predicted, for anybody paying attention. And the reaction is to blame the gun he used? I mean, let's take politics out of it for a minute. Let's, let's take, you know, pre-existing agendas out of it. Listen, do I have a pre-existing agenda? Hell yeah, I do. Damn right I do. I'm a 2A guy. I have the Second Amendment tattooed on my arm for crying out loud. Do I have a pre-existing agenda? Yeah, it's to protect our Second Amendment freedoms. So I have a predisposition as much as anybody on the other side does. But let's take all that out for just a minute and just talk about logic. In this situation, should the focus be on the gun he used or should the focus be on having prevented it and the opportunities that existed to prevent it in the first place? If that's not an obvious answer to you, I can't help you much. Again, if you listen to the Gun Guy show, I'm thinking that's a pretty clear answer. I mean, how stupid do you have to be to look past all these opportunities to have stepped in and prevented this horrible tragedy from ever happening in the first place versus the particular implement that he happened to use to commit it? I mean, let's just apply some logic here for a moment. Let's take the emotion and the politics out of it. It makes no sense. And, and then you have politics from Joe Biden on down, on down in terms of he's the president and the commander-in-chief. I don't put him in a real high place when it comes to any, any other category, like, oh, say, intellect. But they're all... What are, what are they all saying? That, well, if we would just pass an assault weapon ban, we would end mass shootings. Is that a true statement? Is that even remotely true? Is, is, is any semblance of the truth associated with And you hear it all the time. We can do better. We can stop mass shootings. Congress needs to just pass an assault weapon ban, and we'll stop mass shootings. Let's, let's just... Peel the layers off that onion for a minute. First of all, you pass a so-called assault weapon ban. Well, we had one from 94 to 04. Nobody had to destroy or turn in the semi-automatic rifles they already had. Again, assault weapon's a stupid political term. That means nothing to people that know anything about guns. But let's just, let's just adopt that terminology for a moment for the sake of the of this discussion. Do you really think they're going to pass a law that makes, what, they can, they're going to push a button and every semi-automatic rifle with a detachable magazine is just going to go poof and disappear? Well, I don't know. Are they going to, 
make them illegal so you have to turn them in. No. There's, there's, there's probably 20 million at a minimum of rifles that would fall within a so-called assault weapon ban. And by the way, let's just say you do that. Let's say, yeah, they're illegal, and you have to turn them in because it's now a possession crime, and if you get caught with one of these, you're going to do 10 years in prison. Starting tomorrow, turn them in. Ask yourself this question. If that law were passed tomorrow, who would turn them in and who wouldn't? Who would turn them in and who wouldn't? Would I? Well, I'm not going to answer that question. Would a lot of law-abiding citizens who don't want to do 10 years in prison relinquish their firearm? I think some would, some wouldn't. But the more important question is who would not comply with that? Who would not comply with that law? Mm, let's see. Law, not comply, mm, out, uh, not comply years, stay outside the law, out, outlaw, outlaw. You're be outside the law. Criminals. Yes, that's the answer. Criminals would not comply with that law. Oh, I know. You're a deranged lunatic planning a mass shooting. And the law is passed that says you can't have the rifle anymore that you have. You're a deranged homicidal lunatic. You're going to go, oh, golly gee, Congress just passed a law that says I can't have this rifle anymore. My plan is to kill as many people in a bowling alley in a bar as I possibly can and then put my rifle in my mouth and kill myself. That's my plan, but oh no. My plan is now foiled because Congress passed a law. Does that make any damn sense to you? Is anybody going to react that way? So criminals... Terrorists, a whole other category we got to worry about, and homicidal maniacs aren't going to care about the law you pass. Some law-abiding citizens are going to turn their guns in, and who are you left with? I'm sorry, the old bumper sticker is true. When guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns. And apply it to any subcategory of guns you want to. That's just how it works, because criminals don't comply with the law. And these morons who keep saying, pass this law, that even assumes it's constitutional, we'll get into that here after this break, because it clearly is not, would have no effect on crime. It would have no effect on mash. By the way, the so-called assault weapon ban that was in effect from 94 to 04, according to the National Institute of Justice, the research arm of the Department of Justice, they came out and they said, there's no reason to renew this thing because based on the incredibly low number of murders that are ever committed with these firearms to begin with, as compared to all other firearms, that the effect would be, quote unquote, too small to measure. That's what they said, too small to measure. But that doesn't help them. It doesn't prevent them from selling us this crap. And going right down this road. I'll tell you what, I'm well past the three-quarter hour. It's time to take a break. We'll come back and wrap up this show when we come back. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Second to none on the Second Amendment. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93 WIBC. And welcome back for the last segment of The Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. I'll tell you what, we started a little bit late. Uh, because of the post-game show after IU-Penn State. Uh, But this has just flown by. But let me wrap up things. Again, I think a lot of times people contact me and they want my comments on things like the shooting in Maine because they're looking for responses, right? Their neighbors or people on social media or wherever are, you know, attacking our gun rights and and they're looking for responses. Look, I do that for a living. I do it in court. I do it uh, on the radio. I do it a lot of different places. But one thing to also talk about, especially on this so-called assault weapon ban that we're now hearing uh, renewed calls for, and and, and there's one response I have there too, and it's kind of like the response I have when people are talking about repealing the Second Amendment, where I say, well, saddle up. And it's so-called assault, because we have both idiot candidates for mayor right here in Indianapolis, Joe Hogs and Jefferson Shreve, who were both calling for a assault weapon ban, quote unquote, in Marion County. And first of all, they can't regulate that. They can't do that because it's illegal under our preemption law that says local governments can't regulate firearms. But for a moment, let's assume they could. I have the same reaction. Saddle up. Pass that sucker. 
because I'll be the guy that sues you, and I will so kick your ass in court, you have no idea. And that's not because I'm a great lawyer. It's because the law is all on my side. The Supreme Court has said those firearms commonly used for lawful purposes are covered within Second Amendment protections, within the arms that you have the right to keep and bear under the Second Amendment. What's the most commonly owned rifle in America? The AR-15. That those people on the other side like to call an assault weapon, a weapon of war. You know what Supreme Court in Miller versus U.S. said also those guns most useful for military service are protected by the Second Amendment. Now, there's language in the more recent Hiller decision from 2008, a little inconsistent with that, but hey, that's what the founders had in mind because we need to protect liberty when you need to, yes, exercise your role being necessary to the security of a free state, then you need the right firearm to do so. So it'd be unconstitutional. They know it. They just like to talk about it for political reasons. In the meantime, this is Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show. We hope to come back next week. This is Guy Relford on 93 WYBC.